0: This is the Calvary Bible Church Podcast. Thanks for listening in today. We're praying this message encourages you. Learn more about Calvary and join us online each Sunday for services at calvarybible.com. It seems like one of the most sought-after gigs today is becoming a television pundit. They're the talking heads, the men and women who spend a few moments during a cable TV hit sharing their carefully crafted words of wisdom. In his article, When the Pundits Paused, which was in the Columbia Journalism Review, Simon Wood covered the rise of political pundits, especially in the last few years. In his research, he describes how pundits have become an increasingly regular part of cable television news. One of his sources said that CNN has more than 150 of them on the payroll. And their salaries begin at like 25 grand a year, all the way up to more than $200,000. Fox News has some of its political pundits that are paid more than $500,000 for just a few minutes a week. Our English word pundit comes from the Hindi word, which describes like a Brahmin scholar or a village elder. Essentially, pundit means a wise person. We all know that wisdom has value, and we look for it in all sorts of places, not just on television, but on the bookshelf, in the classroom, from a colleague, across the dinner table, because we all know that wisdom is worth a lot, especially when life is hard. When we lose a job, we need to know where we should send our resume. When our health is failing, we need to know what doctor we should call. If it's not going well at home, we know we need someone to talk to. And if the kids are struggling, we will look for advice, for wisdom, wherever we can get it. Even when our world is unstable, we need wisdom. I mean, how many new careers for health pundits have been begun because of COVID. When life is hard, we need wisdom. And the book of James, which we're studying together and marking up during our current series, is filled with wisdom. And the verses we're going to look at today describe the best place to find it. So grab your Bible or your journal and open it with me to James chapter 1 and verse 5. You'll find James in the New Testament in your Bible. It's near the end after the book of Hebrews and right before a couple of letters that were written by Peter. By the way, if you would like a free journal, we would love to send one to you. You can click the link below. Give us your address. We'd be happy to get you a journal so you can mark it up with us as we study the book of James together. When life is hard, we need wisdom. And the last time we were together, James encouraged us to think about hard things in life differently than the world normally does. He said, when life is hard, consider it joy. That's not the kind of advice or wisdom that we would hear from most people. But James reminded us that the hard things in life help us to develop endurance. They actually grow and mature our faith. They, they strengthen it. So our perspective about tough, time, tough times or what he describes as trials can actually be joyful. We can be the kind of people he describes at the end of verse 4 who are lacking in nothing. And then he goes on in verses 5 to 8 in chapter 1 to say, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded, unstable in all of his ways. In our time together today, we're going to answer, or aim to answer, three questions. What is the source of wisdom, according to James? And what do we learn about God And his character. And finally, what's the connection between wisdom and prayer? Let's begin by talking about the source of wisdom. In the first part of verse 5, James says: if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. God is the source of true wisdom. Proverbs 2, verse 6 says this: For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth. Come knowledge and understanding. Knowledge and understanding are are two components of wisdom, but you need both of them together. Wisdom is like the way we apply knowledge to our life. We probably all know people who are super smart, but lack all sorts of common sense. They're the kind of people who have plenty of knowledge, but lack understanding. They don't know how to apply all of the knowledge that they have to their life and their particular circumstances. They may have advanced degrees, but they're a total mess. Similarly, we know plenty of people who lack educational credentials but are incredibly wise. You don't need a PhD or a master's degree to be a wise person. You certainly don't have to go to college. You don't even need a high school diploma to be wise. Wisdom is the way that we apply knowledge To our life. And God is the true source of wisdom. So if we find ourselves needing wisdom when life is hard, where do we go? We ask God. I appreciate the way that Eugene Peterson paraphrases the first part of verse five in the message when he says, If you don't know what you're doing, pray. That's the kind of pithy punditry that we need. If you don't know what you're doing, Pray. It takes humility for us to admit that we might not exactly know what we're doing. And that's a tough spot to find ourselves in. And there are often all of these voices around us in the world who always seem to know what they're doing. That article I mentioned earlier about pundits quotes a journalist named Walter Shapiro. He's covered every presidential election in my lifetime. And he says... George Carlin said there were seven words you couldn't say on television. Now, there are three. I don't know. Nobody wants to be seen as not knowing what to do. But when we're really honest, we all know deep down that we lack wisdom. And James says the true source of wisdom isn't found in a pundit, but is found in God. He is the source of true wisdom. Now we're going to talk more about prayer in a few minutes, but that's how we get it. We ask for it. We ask God for wisdom through prayer. And how does he give it to us? I wish when we asked, he would just sort of shout down from heaven and give us a direct answer that we could hear. That would be convenient, but that's not how it works, right? God is the source of wisdom. And here are just a few of the ways that he delivers it. First, God gives us wisdom through our life, through our experiences, our circumstances, often our trials. That's what's on the mind of James, the way in which trials mold and form us and how we become wiser because of them. James wants us to look at trials through the lens of Scripture how people of faith develop endurance or steadfastness in the midst of them. Remember how we talked last time about the idea of steadfastness in a trial being like a boat that's moving slowly through a storm, advancing through it. Not just holding and being being hit by the storm, but slowly marching through it, head on. The more we're able to persevere through hard times in life with a godly perspective, the wiser we become, we develop this catalog of experiences that we learn from and can lean on in the future. And so that's one way God delivers wisdom when we ask for it through our life. Another way is alongside other people. Everyone seeks wisdom from other people. It might be a teacher, a counselor. It could be a parent or a friend. It's often a coworker or a mentor. But Christians can find true wisdom through the counsel of other believers. This is one of the incredible benefits of being a part of the family of God, that he gives us wisdom through the wise counsel of his people. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit lives in every believer, and Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit would teach us all things, that he would bring to mind all of the things that Jesus has taught us. And so as we ask God for wisdom and seek the wise counsel of godly people, God reveals wisdom to us through them. This is why we encourage every person at Calvary to be part of a life group where we can experience wise, godly counsel from other people who follow Jesus. And we can pray together about our need for wisdom from God and then test out what we sense God is revealing to us and rely on others to help us discern if this is true wisdom from God. So God delivers wisdom to us through our life experiences, by wise counsel from his people, and of course, in his word. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of God, and on his law he meditates day and night. God has spoken to us through his word, and it has everything we need to live, everything we need to know about him and about ourselves. There are even many books in the Bible that are referred to as wisdom literature, like Proverbs, like the book of Job, like Ecclesiastes. Many psalms are filled with wisdom. The book of James is often called the wisdom book of the New Testament. Do you know why James was so wise? Why the letter that he wrote would be set apart as the wisdom book of the New Testament? Because James more than any other New Testament book, revolves around the teaching of Jesus. Especially the Sermon on the Mount. James doesn't quote Jesus directly, but so much of what he says is deeply influenced by what Jesus taught. Like verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Notice that James says, Let him ask God, and it will be given to him. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 7 during the Sermon on the Mount. Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. There are so many allusions to the teaching of Jesus in the book of James. James was obviously immersed in what Jesus had taught, and then he translated it into his own life, and he became an incredibly wise man. The closer we are to Jesus, the wiser we become. Paul said in Colossians chapter two, verse three, that in Christ, in Jesus is hidden all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So those are the few of the few ways that we find wisdom through our life experiences alongside God's people and in his word. God is the source of true wisdom. And James goes on to describe God and his character. He says, God gives generously to all without reproach. God gives. God is a giver. It's a fundamental part of his character. It's who he is. He has given us so many things. He has given us life. He's given us the world to live in and to enjoy. And he has given us himself. God didn't hide in heaven, but revealed himself to us. And he has given us his word. And of course, his son is the greatest gift of all. God is a giver. Again, an echo of Jesus who said in Matthew 7, verse 11, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? God is a giver. And he gives generously. He isn't stingy. He won't deny our request. He is generous. The word here that James uses for generous contrasts God's character with the double-minded man that he mentions at the beginning of verse 8. The idea behind this word that we translate generously is a single-mindedness, like God has one purpose in his mind, to give us what we need. He doesn't hold back. His motives aren't divided. He doesn't second-guess. He gives generously, James says. And he gives generously without reproach. He doesn't roll his eyes like, oh, here they come again. Why do they always ask me? And so that means, because He gives without reproach, that we can come before Him and ask with confidence, without any hesitation or worry about bothering God. God gives generously and without reproach. And did you notice that it says He gives to all? Anybody can ask. There's no qualifications. You can come to God confidently and ask, and He gives generously and without reproach. That's who He is. And then verse 5 Ends with the promise, and it will be given to him. If we ask for wisdom, God will give it to us. But there are a couple of qualifications. We have to ask for it, and we have to admit our need for it. Thomas Manton was a Puritan pastor in England in the 1600s. In his commentary on the book of James, he says this Those who are humbled by their own needs, Are most open to God's offers. Those who are humbled by their own needs are most open to God's offers. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Now, what's the connection between wisdom and prayer? We've already seen that God is the source of wisdom and that we can count on him to give it because of his character. But we do have to ask for it. And in verse 6, James describes how we do that. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. But let him ask in faith, James says. Just like God gives with a single mindedness, we ask with a single mindedness too. Not doubting whether God might answer, not hedging our bets in case he doesn't, but confidently and in faith, asking for help. When we doubt, we're like a wave in the ocean, not in control of our destiny, but just tossed around unstable in all of our ways, as it says at the end of verse eight. Now, let's be clear. We can have doubts and simultaneously have faith. They're not mutually exclusive. Remember the man who said to Jesus directly, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. James is not talking about intellectual doubt. But what James is talking about is what he describes as a double-minded person. Someone who isn't fully committed to the Lord. In fact, the word double-minded is more like double-souled. Like a life that isn't fully and completely wholeheartedly given to God. Just like James had described in verse 4 when he said, When steadfastness has its full effect, that person will be perfect and complete. Wholehearted in their devotion to Jesus. Not trying to sort of compartmentalize different areas of life, but giving all of ourselves to God and to His glory. These are the kinds of prayers that God delights to answer. Prayers of faith. Single-minded, focused, confident prayers, not double-minded ones. Do you see how James is drawing the parallel between the character of God and our character? Between God's single-mindedness in giving and our single-mindedness in praying? God's character influences ours. Turn right quickly, a couple chapters, uh, to verse 13 of chapter 3. Verses 13 through 18 of James 3 also discussed wisdom. And they demonstrate how God's character influences ours when we receive wisdom from Him. It says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By His good conduct, let Him show His works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. By those who make peace. Verse 13 and then verse 17 and 18 are kind of like the bookends, which describe the character of the person who has found wisdom at its source. And then right in the middle, verses 14, 15, and 16 describe the double minded person, one who is jealous and selfishly ambitious. They find wisdom in the world, perhaps from their favorite television pundit. But the one who is wholly committed in their devotion to God receives wisdom from above, which is pure and peaceable, gentle and open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. So as we find wisdom in its true source, we become more and more like our Father, more and more like His Son. So it's probably time for each of us to do a little personal evaluation where do we find ourselves? In our devotion to Jesus. It can ebb and flow, and it does throughout our journey of faith. But have you been distant from Him recently? Have you tried to keep Him out of certain areas of your life? Or are you in a place right now where you need wisdom from above, but perhaps you're looking at wisdom from the earth? Are you feeling connected with others? Are you seeking the wise counsel of other godly people? Are you finding time to discover wisdom from God through His Word? These questions aren't meant to guilt us. But remember last time we said, James is is like a book about how to be a Christian, not a book about how to be called a Christian. That's what we're aiming for together as we study the book of James, that we would be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And we're here to help you. And we'd love for you to reach out and let us know how we might be able to come alongside you. Maybe we can pray with you. Maybe we can help you get connected with other people so that you can journey alongside them as you follow Jesus. Or maybe we can answer questions for you about what it means to follow Jesus. We'd love to be able to do that. If you can, you can let us know by clicking our online connect card or clicking the link in the description below. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are generous to give us wisdom. We admit that we need it. And I pray for any friend who's watching today who does need wisdom from you, God. Would you be kind to answer it? Would you reveal it to them as they open your word? Would you help by the power of the Holy Spirit to provide godly and wise counsel in their life? Would you reveal as they journey through the experiences in their life the ways that you can provide wisdom to them? Father, we thank you for who you are. And we desire to live changed because of who you are, to become more and more like your son. And we need your help to do that, God. So we pray all of this in his name. Amen.